0: procedure typically is to make an application to register general now remember that all corporate searches can only be done in abuja yes the cac might have branches in every state but don't make the error of saying that um, corporate affairs commission legal states every mm. search must be done as the headquarters.
1: Welcome to the Fit and Proper
0: Podcast by DigiLaw, your host, K.U. Kemi Ubi.
1: Hello, you're welcome to today's episode of the Fit and Proper Podcast. I am your host, K.U. Kemi Ubi, and today with me is Olua Ayonshola. Um, I know him personally as Sage, so during this podcast, we hearing a lot of Sage, Sage, so um, today we'll be talking about post-incorporation matter. But before we go into the podcast, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Oluwaseun Ayonshola. He currently is an associate at um, Aluko and Oyebode in Lagos. He's the founder of Commercially Aware. He graduated top of his class at Obafemi Awolowo University. And he won the Kayode Eshors Prize for Professional Ethics and Skills in the Nigerian Law School 2019 set um hi Sage, how are you doing
0: hi kemi how are you
1: i'm fine i'm doing okay so we're just going to get down to it um about post-incorporation matters after incorporation what are the preliminary steps um you must take before commencement of business
0: like the word suggests um post-incorporation uh uh the activities that your company must do immediately after you've incorporated the business now the first thing and uh, which is the logical thing to do is the publication of name the, my method my technique of remembering the section um is to so i call it 548 publications so section <laughs> 548 of karma Um, list out like the procedure for publication of names. So um, typically your name, the publication of the name would include um, the name of the company. Now the name is divided into two. So there is the corporate name of a company which has like the suffix um, which are recognized under law um, including um, so for example dangote PLC, that's a suffix. So that's a corporate name. So the corporate name is um, the official name with which the company is registered, uh, okay. while the trade name is the name um, by which the, the brand is known. So um, Coca-Cola bottling um, company, PLC, might be the corporate name, but Coke might be the, um, the trade name. So that's an example, for instance. So mm-hmm. Duffield Nigerian Limited is actually the corporate name of the company that produces Indomie but indomie is the trade name right so it, while you see indomie on the on the comp, that's the trade name you know like the name by which it is known so your company can it can publish either the trade name but it is compulsory that you add the the registration number it mm-hmm. must be so section 5 um 48 subsection 1 says that you must put it conspicuously on um either paint or affix it to out the outside of like your place of business and every branch and head office, then you must put it legibly on your common seal. And then your corporate name and registration must also be on your correspondence, including notices, bill of exit, checks, uh, and so on and so forth. Then um, so that is one publication of name is one. Next thing you have to do is to make a common seal. Now, there is a common seal and there's the official seal. So between the two. The common one is, is common, Now That's the common seal is compulsory. That's a mandatory one. Because for a company to execute a deed, then it must be under the, you know, by the common seal of the company. Yeah. Um, so by making it, it is, your, your common seal, that's provided for under section 74 of camera. 74 common seal. Um, so it is um, used for the execution, and um the name of the company is engraved on the seal and then you you have um the official seal is used for execution of document outside of the country so if the company is involved in a lot of cross-border business then that's when it requires an official so that's not compulsory. then the last one is um, um well not not essential for all every company It's just required for companies such as insurance companies, banks. um, That's your section 553 filings. Um, So that one is a bit tricky. So it says basically that you're supposed to make that filing, it's like a a quarterly filing on the first Monday um, in February and then the first Tuesday in August in every year. Um, So you have and um, that's your, well, that's, that's required only of banks and insurance companies. So that's, that's, um, for your, um, the things that are required of you after incorporation.
1: Okay. Tell us m- more about, them. Um, the checklist of, um, statutory books and how they are used. What is the checklist and how are they used? So for statutory books, I mean, in practice,
0: it actually even makes more sense. Um, because typically these are things that the law requires so it's actually because the law requires that a company must keep um these records the first on the list of course is uh, the register of members mm-hmm. um and register of members that's provided for in section it's one of kama and it is the requirement for all companies so the, i should say as a preliminary point that um the some registers are required of every company while some are required of public companies only so the ones that are required of public companies are two that is the index of members and then the register of substantial interest in shares now between the two the index of member is not mandatory so if your register of members is structured in such a way that it, it looks like an index then you wouldn't need to have an index of members so of the statutory books only two are for Public companies, PLCs. That's the index of members and the register of substantial interest in shares. So when we, I'll, I'll talk about it much later. So for the first one, first entry book would be register of members. And you know in Nigeria, membership of the company is by registration. So um, the mere execution of the of a share transfer documents, either by deed of um, assignment or deed of transfer, um, would merely make you a shareholder. But you don't become yeah you don't become a member of the company until you have been registered in the register of members. So until one is registered, the company only recognizes the person whose name is on the register. You know, and um, and because in Nigeria, share transfer is not um, in bearer form. So in in the UK, if you showed your the share share certificate to the company, that makes you an automatic member of the company. But in Nigeria, your name has to be entered. So that's the the register of members is used to record the names um and particulars of members of the company and also their shareholding. So it has like a column for name, particulars address and all sorts. And then it has the last one for shareholding. Then the next one is the index of members. Now the index of members like I earlier said is for public companies um, and typically a public company, that's a company with uh, membership of more than 50 people, right? So, once you, so it is used to record names, particulars, and shareholding of members exceeding 50. And that is typically found in section 85. And then when you check section, you find section 1 um, or 2 or so. Like it, it states that, um, that if your registered member is, is structured or designed in a way that it incorporates an index then the index would not be mandatory even for a public company. Then there's the reason of substantial interest in shares. Um, so it is used to record um, what is your... So substantial interest in shares, just know the percentage, it's 10%. So once you hold 10% voting right at a general meeting, um, you're said to have substantial interest in shares, you know, ordinary shares. Um, and then, so a record of that number of that shareholding is called the register of substantial interest in shares and then it is of course like i said this is only required for public companies once a member acquires 10 percent interest or more he notifies the company within 14 days of doing so and then the company in turn notifies the, the csc i mean that's that then there is the register of um, we've talked about members Substantial interest in shares, index of members, and then there is the register of director and secretaries. Um, and that's, that's in section 292 of Cameron. Um And basically, that is used, like the name implies, used to record names and particulars of of the directors and the secretaries, right? And then, you know, like you will typically, you know, discuss in the later podcasts about, um, you know, change of of directors and and that the notification must be given to cac um within 14 days typically you find for director that's like in cac from 7a you know and then you i think for secretaries are uh, CAC point 2.1 or 2.1 rather then you have um um the register of directors shared. the precondition is that if the articles of the company requires that a director must have you know, shares in the company, then the director must do so within a certain number of times. So there is a separate register for the and in the interest. So it is used to record the interest that shareholders hold either in shares or in the venture of the company. And it makes sense. So you want to know, you know, um, what is the interest of directors in this company? You know, yeah. so it can be either way. So if they have too much interest, that would be that... The com- the directors will be desperate to yes. you know take some. Yeah, they might even be concealing certain things just so that they get away with. It. And there's lesson you know from the from uh, I think the U.S. or so about Lehman Brothers. You know, and then you find in companies where the board can't basically like take a stance because they are like substantially interested in that company. So you mm. want companies you know, and that's why corporate governance codes are now recommended that you know that you have an independent director you know whose um, interest is 0.001 percent you know in, in that um, company just so that you can have an independent view that isn't biased so you have then register of charges you you know sec- once you you start to treat section 197 of kama which talks about like about creation of the child so once a company creates a child whether it mortgages its property or, you know, or whatnot, you know, floating charge or fixed, that within 90 days of doing so, that it must register the charge with the CAC, and then in turn, it must also register it in its own register of charges. So, the register of charges is required of all companies, and then um, it records the charges of the assets of the company and undertakings and so forth. Then there is the register of debentures. Now, what is a debenture? A debenture is basically a certificate of indebtedness, so it's, uh, a, a company is acknowledging that we owe you, you know, and then so once they do that, they give you a certificate and record it and record the names and the particulars of the debenture holders and the the number of years that the debenture would last, so the term of issue. And unlike charges, which is must be recorded within ninety days, for register of debenture order, it must be recorded within um, uh, thirty days. Of, of there is a minutes book you know the minutes book um that's that required of all companies as well um that's in section 241 of karma basically it's used to recall the proceedings of mist the um then typically it is evidence of it's primarily evidence of what went on at the meeting provided that it is signed by the chairman of the board and the company and um it is. It is also signed by the secretary. Then you know it is. It's supposed to be open for inspection. You know some days before the AGM and a few days after, and it is supposed to. You know members are to access it, inspect it without cost, but it will cost you fifteen naira to you know get a copy of, of the minutes. Then um, I think last but not least is the. Accounting records. It's also required of all companies used to reflect the financial records. Um, that's provided for in section 331. When you check section 332, um about, that's what provides for where it is supposed to be kept for a number of years that it's supposed to be kept for, and that's six years. You know, and typically you find it for um um all companies. For statutory books that is that is typically what you have i mean I, I wanted to mention you know during our bar finals this one you know everybody usually like puts their focus on statutory books of a company mm-hmm. but that year well, they tested us on the books that are to be kept by incorporated trustees you know and mm-hmm. i the code is um, bmr square which is we stand for um, books of account <coughs> m is minutes of meeting R is register of members and the register of trustees so bmr square and you'll find that in in um regulation 77 of the company's um regulations at 2012 so you typically um so that's that's just that that's what i do yeah um i i think i've addressed your second question
1: okay all right okay thank you for that Sage. so like how do you convert companies like how do you move from private to public and address how do you convert companies
0: the the procedure is largely the same across board with just a few changes here and there um Mm. for three of of the conversion procedures or processes or types if you like special resolution is required then the last one requires unanimous consent and that's when you're moving from limited to unlimited so what are the types of conversion the code is plup and we stand for P for private to public, L for limited to unlimited, U for unlimited back to limited, and then um, P for public to private. And that's section 50, section 51, section 52, and 53. So section 50 is the first, which is for private to public. And, and that's the most common one, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so what's the procedure for um, conversion from a private company to a public company. And and the question would be, I mean, why would the company want to convert? So one, we already know that there is a restriction on the number of members that a private company can have. I mean, when you, that's in section 22 of of Kama, you find out that, uh, you know, it's restricted to 50 members. You know, there's restriction on transfer of shares in the articles, you know, so, all of those things are reasons why a company might want to convert from um, private to public. So, you would, so, what are the things you would do? It's usually the board that suggests it. So, that means there's going to be a board meeting, right? Mm-hmm. And typically, this is almost true for everything. There is board resolution, notice to the members, and then you call a meeting, and at the meeting, you pass the resolution. So, that's like BSP, um, um, BSR. Rather. So if you want to remember, just remember BSR. The B is for the board passes a resolution to convert the company from private to public. The S is the secretary issues notice of a extraordinary general meeting. The R mm-hmm. is that you know the resolution, special resolution, or if you like, that yes, um, special resolution is passed at the general meeting and the what you call consequential alterations are made in the articles and, and memorandum. Now, they are consequential because when you look at the um, memo of a company, the memo of a company typically contains, you know, like the name, the address, the original address, the object, and, and, and whatnot. If you are a private company, say the name of the company is um, Dangote Limited. So if you're converting to a private company, the name clause will change. So the user address may be the same, but name clause would change, so you con- so that's that's what the first consequential alteration in the memorandum of association. Next thing that would necessarily change might be the object, you know. But that is not a compulsory alteration. The object may be the same. Then the next thing would be the type of the company. So the company is a is a is a private company limited by shares will most likely change to so company is a p- public company limited by shares and then you have the the shareholding and and this is also true in practice so a private company could have incorporated this with 10 10 million so it might not change it except it is below the required amount so it's 10,000 for for private company and 500,000 for public so if your share capital is below that then that means that you have to raise it above Mm -hmm. as a public company you know, so so typically that, that that's also um, something that might change. Then in the articles, we know that the articles restrict transfer, so you have to take that out. So that, that restriction on transfer of shares may change, then voting rights, you know, would likely change. Then you might want to remove preemption, right of preemption, which is to offer your shares to a member of the company before you offer it to the public, which you call right of first refusal, it would also change. You know, then... So, that is that is typically... So, that's about consequential alteration. So, once you have done that, then you will now make an application in form CAC 2.7. So, that's the com, um, form for registration and conversion of companies. Then, if you... If there is a need... I mean, if you remember section 31 or so... Yeah, 31. That's the procedure for change of names. That section... Mm-hmm. In a subsection, it says that the a, a company will not need to change its name if the only thing that is changing is just limited to PLC. So, if it is Dangote Limited before, and you are converting company Dangote PLC, you would not require a change of name application. I mean, that section clearly says so in one of the subsections. So, if but if you are changing it from Dangote Limited to Alico PLC, so that's basically changing more than just the suffix then you mm. require, you know, a CSC 1A. csc 1 is that one for search and, and, and name availability check, right? Then csc 1A is for when your change of name and availability check. So that is when a company is changing its name, the form that it will use is the CSC 1A. And then you would also have a separate application to the Registry General, you know, for, for that reason. So you have that. Then the next step will be, now remember that the memorandum and articles would have been altered. So the this a stamped, duly stamped, you know, memat as altered would also accompany application. Then there will be a written statement on oath by, you know, the director and the secretary, you know, stating that, you know, the the paid-up capital of the company is not less than 25% of the authorized share capital and, and so forth. The next one will be a declaration by a director and secretary, you know, basically saying that one a special resolution that is required as we pass Then the next thing will be that you know the company's assets are not less than you know the aggregate of the unpaid capital and undistributable reserves. So that is like a statement from them. So both of them are they are in a simple statement, more like in a resolution format saying that the resolution that's required for resolution has been passed and that the, the company's assets, you know, are not less than the unpaid capital and undistributable reserves. And then there is also the company's balance sheet, you know, in the preceding last month or at the date of resolution, you know, whichever is earlier would also accompany that. And then, of course, because you're converting, the, you, you need a copy of your prospectus with which you have advertised to public um and then you would then the original certificate of incorporation which, which would have carried dangote limited you would also submit it for cancellation so that a new one can be reissued you know and then you accompany it with receipt or filing fees annual returns and, and so on and so forth now once you have done that upon satisfaction of your application the cac would cancel the old C- certificate of incorporation, and then it would reissue a new one that carries your your name, and, and and that's that's it. But this one is just a by the way point. So, fact that a company changes its name does not mean that you know the agreement that is signed before or the cases that it is prosecuting in court will no longer <laughs> be valid. You know, so they will still be valid here, and the, uh, I mean that's in section thirty one, some section six or four so or five of Kamala. So, um, yeah. Then, you know, like I said, for conversion from limited to unlimited. So that's another tricky one. So I think I'll just do that one rather than like um, doing all the rest. So if you're converting from limited to unlimited, you know, of course, typically, like I said, there will usually be uh, board resolution and then followed by, um, you know, a meeting. Of yeah. the member now a meeting of all the members of the company remember that what you are doing as a unlimited company your your liability will no longer be limited to the shares that you have in the company they can now proceed against you individually to recover the debts of the company so that's that's the meaning of unlimited liability meaning that if they have sold all the company's assets and they cannot now find anything again they can sue the shareholders individually, you know, to recover the debt of the company. I mean you cannot just come and say 75% of the people can agree. Why would I why would some people agree on my behalf that I should be <laughs> exposed in that way? So that is why it makes sense that the what is required from a company to go from li- limited liability to unlimited liability is the require is the vote of every member of the company. So that's unanimous assent. So it's, so that's about the best way to remember it.
1: So if, if one know, person says, no, I don't agree, yes. it can't fly.
0: It cannot fly, oh my dear. It cannot fly. So it needs unanimous animal's accent. Yeah, so that's it. That's what it means. You know? Uh, except you buy the person out, you know? Like the person... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I mean, it practically. That's why I'd advise my time. So if you don't want to do... Then sell your shares to us now. Abina. now. If you sell yeah. your shares, then you won't be part of the unlimited liability, right? So that's what you would typically advise, yeah. But that's just in practice. And that. that's none of that business. But the next <laughs> thing would be, actually <laughs> next thing would be, um, secretary would prepare, you know, the application. The application is the same form, CAC 2.7, and then you would um, lodge it with um, the registered general prescribed form. And then you would require, typically, um, the following document. uh, That's the prescribed form of assent by all the members would be there. Then there will be a statutory declaration by the company secretary, you know, um, and the directors that um, the assent which is required has been gotten and that, you know, they've taken all the reasonable steps to, um, get the, the um, either by those members themselves or people that they've nominated. And then there will be, you know, of course, the members of the company has altered, you know, and duly stamped. Then of the only document that will follow will be evidence of payment of filing fees, uh, um, updated annual returns, and then the original certificate of incorporation um, um, of the company for cancellation. Yeah, so the company can, the Registrar General cancels it and then reissues you um, another one. Yeah. The other relevant type would be conversion from public um, back to private, and that's in section 53 of Kamala. Now, one point to note is that those who would be required, you know, is one of those rigorous ones because. It's a public company, and you're converting it back to private company. So you mm. need uh, members of the company who typically hold about five percent of the uh, issued share capital. Now that's very is actually quite important because issued share capital is the companies out of the authorized share capital of five hundred thousand naira, the company may have issued two hundred thousand naira, you know, and then the unissued share capital is three hundred k. Now out of the issued one the people who have issued those shares may have paid only 100k so the analysis would be your 500k is the authorized share capital your mm-hmm. 200k is issued share capital your 300k is the unissued share capital your 100k is the paid up share capital so it is five percent of 200k so the orders of that must agree they must vote in favor of that resolution Um mm-hmm. so then, once they do so, um, you would have the application. Um, so, those are the kind of people who can, who can um, oppose the conversion. So, the, the, the typical procedure would be like every other one else BSS the board mm-hmm. would pass the resolution, mm-hmm. then the secretary would issue the notice BSS. Mm-hmm. Then, the next S would be the special resolution at the meeting, you know, authorizing uh the conversion from public to private and then uh, also um, authorizing that the necessary attrition be made in the memorandum and articles then you would wait for 28 days now in those 28 days you are basically waiting for people to oppose it so and we said those who can oppose it are five percent of yeah. the share capital yes yeah, so when there is no objection you know, within about fifteen days from the time, from the end of that twenty-eight days, without objection, you make an application to the CAC for registration of the company. However, if there is an objection within those twenty-eight days, you also you would make an application to um, the courts. You know, and then the courts would either give an order to one say that the conversion is fair and i should proceed or the conversion is not fair and that you should not proceed so so those are like two things now so you mm. basically are saying that if there is no objection then no court order you're moving straight to cac but if there's an objection you're going to court and then making an application for the court to either you know adjudge it as fair, or fair. fair. Mm. so once the court adjudges it as, as fair then you are going to one submit the copy of the resolution, copy of the court order, and then application for registration to the CFC. But if the company judges it as unfair, you are basically just submitting copy of the court order, then the resolution of the company, you know, and and that's the end now. Like not, it's not going on anymore. But if the if it is going forward, you are going to register the copy of the resolution, the court order your application, which will be from CAC 2.7, then the memorandum has altered, Your then your evidence and every other thing. So the only difference between private back to public is the option for objection, right? So if you're moving from public back to private, members who are 55% of the issue here can object, and then, so once you have passed the special resolution, you wait 28 days to see if there are any objections. There are no objections, then you within 15 days of the expiration of the 28 days and uh, you make your application to the cease. but the objection within 15 days you make an application to court for court order either um sanctioning that conversion so yeah that's, that's that's about about conversion from public back to private
1: yeah so out of curiosity i want to ask do people really do companies really do that do they actually go from public to private because i know that what what I've read the most what I've seen was yeah. that people IPO they go from private to public. Yeah. But go from public back to private. I, yeah. I don't know. Has it yeah. happened? Now, they are, they are, they yeah, of course,
0: to... many times. But let's use a very recent example, right? Of mm-hmm. uh, Elon Musk. Oh, okay. Now, Elon Musk, remember I said funding secured. It's a private company that is making a lot of... Um, um, like, the shares are, are undervalued because, as at that time, because people thought that it was taking too much risk and the, the stock market basically reacts to um, your, your like, the news. So, they are like, elements um, are still not seen a breakthrough in this Tesla um, Model 5 that he has been shouting. Soon. So, that means that... If the company goes burning, like your shares too will go. So people started selling the shares. And for that reason, the shares, like the value came down. Now, but for somebody who believes so much in what he's doing, it's like he cannot leave his faith to the hands of people that are trading the shares and then who are. So in a public company, it is the the stock market that determines the value. It is how your company is perceived that people will. So if I think your company is worth $5, naira, is how much I will bid for it. So, a company can be worth 15 naira and the public can think it's worth five naira. But you, you know what your company is worth. So, you are like, by when you guys see my company for what it is worth, I will come back to this market. So, for now, I want to go back private. So, when I go private, I will build my company and make it big enough that you will ask that, ah, we were wrong about this guy. So, that's why he wanted to go back to private. So, sometimes being public might not pay you because everybody's in your business everybody cares about what you are doing if you sack a, an employee they'll be like you're a private company people will just sell your shares anyhow they will want to watch you but if you're private then nobody knows how much you're making in profit you don't have to publish anything so yeah so people can go from public to private depending on the company's need yeah
1: now, my next question is, so we, we know that you have to prepare um, documents and all when there is changes like this. So how does one prepare the board and company resolution or documents needed for alteration of um, registered documents? Mm, yeah. Well, I mean,
0: that, that's also a typical question you find in bar finals and very important. So you will find that um, um, the in preparing your resolution, these are things that you should even know. You should know typically that a resolution may either be board resolution or it may be the company resolution, which is divided into either um, a a special resolution or, or an ordinary resolution. Ordinary resolution is fifty percent plus one. Um, a company resolution is passed by three fourths of the of the votes, which is seventy five percent. Now so, and then there are some matters that are. Required to be by special resolution, conversion of company is one of them. You know, alteration of the company's object. So those weighty issues. Think about it. Ah, this thing is weighty. Those are the things that require special resolution. You know, uh, reduction of the company's share capital, for instance, is special mm-hmm. resolution. Conversion from private to public, public to private, special resolution. And limited to unlimited is all unanimous assent don't forget that so um so for for resolution you find on top of it there is your letter it dangote plc you know then your address and then the the registration number and then you have dates ref you know just like that's your letter basically that's the format for your letter then followed by your introduction now your intro is what you would find in... Um, and then you, you might also, of course, you're going to have in the letterhead, you know, um, special resolution, what you call the edging. Special resolution for conversion of private company to public company, post one to section 50 of Kama, It you know, just as an example. Then mm. your intro will basically be, you know, something along these lines. Because, um, you know, there are some matters that are... You know, there's the companies annual general meeting AGM. So yeah. at the AGM, there are things that we call the the the, the ordinary business. You know, as found in section two fifteen, um, I believe I'm right. In two fifteen, you will find the ordinary business. You know, election of and uh, re-election of di- of directors and um, um, declaration of dividend and and so forth. Conversion of a company is not one of those things that you typically do at an AGM so it is most likely that when the company is trying to convert it is most likely not at the AGM so it will be at the extraordinary general meeting, so the question might not say so it is safer, provided you know that item is not an ordinary business to so safer at the extraordinary general meeting of Dangote Limited held on the 15th day of March 2017 at the hotel at Stude's by 12 noon or at 12 noon you know um, once you so you typically have that, you know, um, at twelve noon the following resolution was passed. You know, then you now give the language of the text. Now, if it is conversion of name was passed, that the name of the company B and is hereby changed from X Y Z to X Y Z. You know, all that the company B and is hereby converted from a private company to public company that the articles of association be altered by adding the words XYZ or by substituting paragraph X with paragraph or by deleting paragraph X and replacing it with a new paragraph X you know just so that's the language for Mm -hmm. the main text then the next the other thing will be it must be dated so you say dated this dash day of dash you know then director and and secretary you know but if it is um if it is board resolution it will be signed by order of the board and not uh, and not just director and um and secretary so remember that there are some things that are required to be signed by two directors so one has to be careful and there are some things that the law requires that can be signed by director and secretary so Hmm. um so you, you have to, like, pay attention to, to that. Then you you typically have um, um, that for your, for your resolution. Yeah. So that's, that's basically your format, the format for drafting a resolution. Yeah.
1: Okay. So um, just so we have everything cleared up and we're not missing anything Yeah. Um, what other relevant documents does one need for the alteration of registered documents? Mm, now, typically...
0: The original document will be, apart from your special resolution, which you just drafted, of course, you need to submit the duly stamped memorandum and articles as altered. Now, um, and by duly stamped, that means you're submitting it for a stamp to be assessed on it. Then, depending on whether the company is a, an insurance company or a bank, you have to also submit, you know, your the updated section 553 filing and then every company that is trying to alter these documents must submit their updated annual return and then of course you need to submit evidence of your frc that's your financial reporting council annual all use yeah mm. so those are typically yeah the, and then of course the receipts of of pay, payment of the prescribed and um, filing fees as well mm, yeah okay
1: all right. So, earlier, you mentioned something about corporate searches and um, reports. So, tell us more about that. Um, Tell us about corporate searches and preparing reports.
0: By God's grace, you know, all of you are going to, you know, excel at your bar finals and you'll be ushered into the largest bar on the continent. Your work, <laughs> I swear, as, as an NYC, you know, like that is, in fact, like the your like your primary assignment is conducting like your due diligence especially if you're working in a corporate um, commercial team so and an important part of legal due diligence is conducting a corporate search now an important part of also um, giving a legal opinion you know for instance like a closing opinion on a transaction recently i was working on a transaction and then you know like we needed to advise the lenders that the company is duly incorporated. So you want to make those statements of fact. So there is a level of diligence that will be required of you to mm. be able to say that a company is duly incorporated, that the shareholders are the ones that, you know, you have on record, that the company, you know, has, has filed its annual returns up to date, that um, the company, that the shareholders, shareholders that the, the that there are no, so for a bank, for instance, the bank wants to know that there are no borrowing restrictions in its, in its um, constitutional document. So, there is a, there is a, a, a clause that is not, that is not usually in the memo, but if you check your section 232 or, or so of, of Kamala, you find that, that is one of the clauses that you have in, in a memat, that's the restrictive clause. So your restrictive clause is one of those clauses that is not in every company's memat, but it's actually one of the So that's the one that says that the borrowing powers of the company shall not exceed five billion naira. Now, for is any bank, is any bank is interested in knowing whether this company that is coming to borrow ten billion from me. You know, hope there is no restriction in his act, in his memo saying that he cannot borrow more than five billion. And for that, that means it's even a legal contract for to start with, and mm-hmm. which means that they can lose the five, the rest of the five billion, which they have just um, given out. So the company is very interested in knowing what exactly is um, there. So I mean, that that, is, that should be like uh, mem- requirement for memo. That's like section twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Find it there. so for your memos. So I mean for your corporate search. So I, I what I just did was to tell you like what I, what's the importance of the corporate search? There is for mm-hmm. legal due diligence to confirm the status, who the directors are, the priority of registration. So for instance, you want to know who registered the name first. You know in change of name. Remember if you register a name that is closely related to another name. So you went to enter Dan Gota, you know, something that's just confusing, or like you know, Niger mm-hmm. chemists, those of you that are familiar with the case. Ninja yeah. chemists and Nigeria yeah, exactly. So if you wanted to if the other guy wanted to find out that, see, we are the ones who register this name first. It is through a corporate search that you find because you see when the company was registered and who has priority. So that's also in then you check borrowing powers. So what's the procedure for like corporate search? The procedure typically is to make an application to register general now remember that all corporate searches can only be done in abuja yes the cac might have branches in every state but don't make the error of saying that um, corporate affairs commission legal states every mm. search must be done as the headquarters, so it's register general corporate affairs commission abuja right and then you would attach to your application to register receipts of uh, payment of that search report that is the amount you know now during the corona you're like five k or so typically you would also need to obtain the certified true copies of certain documents so for example you want to see cdc of the service of incorporation you want to see ctc of the particulars of you know directors and you want to see cdc of segment of share capital you know you want to see ctc of the um that's c from seven and then you want to see c of the memorandum and articles. Of association, right now, um, before now, from CAC 1.1 has now incorporated old from CAC 4, uh, 5 and, and and 7. Now, old from CAC 4, 5 and 7 are statement of share capital, and um, then secretaries, and um, the last one is directors. It is now incorporated in CAC 1.1, so you will typically not have them in separate, so it is just basically obtaining ctc of. CSC 1.1 that would do. Except if the company after incorporation has changed its director, so that it would have filed from CS2.1 and from CSC 7A. So you would need to obtain those CTCs as well. So you you'd also attach to your application evidence that you've paid for those Ctc's. Then you of very compulsory, you have to also attach evidence of filing of your annual returns of the company, you know, up to the current year. Because if you don't do so, they will not even pay attention to you. So now, once you have done that, so your letter will typically be to the... Right? So then now you have the editing, then corporate search um, to be conducted on Dangote PLC, you know, that dear sir, you know, and then blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The above subject refers, we are the Transaction Council um, in connection with... Zenith Bank proposed lending to Dangote PLC. Um, and in furtherance of our due diligence, we require that a corporate search be carried out on um, Dangote PLC. We have attached to um, this application the receipts of um, payment of the search and the CTCs and the evidence of filing of the annual return. Thank you. Then you, you subscribe your name your your firm for blah 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 and then you do uh, enclose or attach whichever one the next thing will be to conduct the search then and after conducting the search you obtain the ctc's and then you prepare the search report so your search report is advisable that you have a covering letter you know like on the letterhead addressed to your clients which most likely be so the bank that has asked you to conduct the search report on dangote plc that um, dear sir we i'd like to inform you that the corporate search report has been carried out on xss and please find attached the the reports and a copy of the reports and the thesis of the relevant document then you put enclose you put the thesis of the document then you know the search report itself will have the letterhead and then you write "search corporate search report on dangote plc then the next thing will be to you now list it out so you see the formats, date of search place of search name of company registered uh, number address you know date of incorporation object and so on and so forth so that's that's like the so you just learn the the mnemonics you know my mnemonic then was in dpn RLD, opa IAC. so just learn you can use mnemonics to remember those um structure
1: okay so uh, what are the ethical issues arising from post-incorporation matters
0: that's yeah Yeah, for those of you who have already crammed your RPC, you just look at your section 14 to like 23 and see the relevant ones, basically, like that one is not even something you need to cram. So typically, like if you're doing a search report, you owe a duty, dedication and devotion to your clients, you know, which is rule 14, you know, then um, the next one should be, you know, you have to represent him, you know, within the bounds of the law. You, know, you cannot falsify records and state what is not there. Then 16, of course, that you have to do it competently. I mean, we're talking about due diligence here. So you cannot mm-hmm. just go and do one wishy-washy research and say that there are no encumbrance when, when, in fact, that the company is heavily encumbered. So you want to do your diligence, you know. You want to also keep the confidence, that's 17, you know, that um, you cannot be doing corporate search reports on the company and find out that, ah, dangote is a shareholder and you sharply go and tell somebody and you do insider trading and, and whatnot. You mm-hmm. know, and then yeah, and then you you have conflict of interest. If there is a conflict of interest, you are already representing another that client, that is 17 and 18 uh, and that's the confidence one. And then 22, you know, you cannot take instruction at the address and you know and I mean at the 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 you have to the, you can't call at the client's base the, they have to come to your chambers and yeah those those are the relevant issues
1: yeah uh-huh. today has been really enlightening thank you very much sage for joining us yeah. yes thank it's been you great having you on today's episode
0: right yeah. great stuff yeah i'm very happy to be to share yeah okay
1: so and to our wonderful listeners for today we discussed post incorporation matters because you filled our feedback forms since is what you wanted to learn We would love to discuss more topics that you find challenging. So please fill our feedback forms whenever you see it online. If you have questions and suggestions, you can send them to us using our social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram. We are at DigiLaw. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until we meet again, I remain your host, Kemi Ubi. Goodbye.
0: All right. Bye. And that's all for today's episode of the Fit and Proper Podcast,
1: a DigiLaw production. For more about DigiLaw, you can check out our website at www.digilaw.com.ng. Follow us on
0: social media. On LinkedIn, we are at DGL Africa. On
1: Twitter and Instagram, we are at DigiLawNG.